What is up, Arizona high school basketball fanatics? Welcome back to the Arizona Small Ball Podcast, where we discuss one of the hidden gems in Arizona, small school basketball. Here we talk about everything in the small ball scene. We cover scores, coaches, teams, and players. As coaches in the Valley, we understand that these teams don't get enough attention, and our biggest goal is to change that. We're here to keep you guys updated on everything small ball and ignore everything else because honestly, Arizona small ball is just better than everything else. On our show, these guys are the stars. We got a great podcast episode for you guys this week. We got coach Josh Crutchfield from Greenville University on the pod to talk about pressure defense. There's a lot of teams that run pressure defense in the Arizona small ball scene, our squad included. So we're just super excited to learn and get some different perspective from the college level about running pressure defense really, really well. Coach, thanks for hopping on the pod with us, man. It's going to be fun. Man, it's going to be a real good time, man. You know, these guys are great. I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, so, so you have a lot of experience with pressure, not just as a player, but as a coach. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got to Greenville University? Because you, uh, going back even to that, you pressed all through like high school and like in college as a player, and now you're coaching college, so you're pressing in college and stuff. So tell yeah. us a little bit how you got to Greenville University. And also for our listeners, just tell us about the program over there, too, because y'all put up some yeah. big numbers, man. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Orange County, California. Grew up there my whole life. Then after high school, I went to a four-year Division three Christian college called Gordon College, just north of Boston. Um, had a pretty good career there. Um, and then, you know, one of my one of my professors there, she's on the board, she's on the board here at Greenville. She connected me with Coach Barber. I was going to do another fifth year because I had another year of eligibility of playing. Um, but I decided to forego it and, you know, get in the coaching world and just kind of put my foot in the door. And I just took off ever since. Been a very good, blessed um, opportunity. Coach Barber has entrusted me with a lot as a first year head co- uh, first year coach. Um, and so it's been phenomenal. Like Coach Barber has given me the reins. He's allowed me to be who I am and also taught me so much about the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. When it comes to coaching players, when it comes to pressing defenses and just encouraging them. You know, he's probably one of the happiest guys I've ever met in my life. If you ever meet Coach Barber, he's just going to be, hi, how you doing, in your face. And it's so genuine. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, really nice to, and refreshing to see that as a head coach. You know, been there for 23 years. Um, and then so, he, you know, in 2015, he implemented the system to Greenville. And ever since, we've, been, we've led the nation of scoring um, every single year. We've averaged 124 points per game over the last seven years. Um, and so the way we do that, yeah. Yeah, it's no joke. So the way we do that is we trap all 40 minutes, no matter who we're playing, whoever it is, we're going to trap you. You know, we have a couple of defenses that we have up our sleeves. Um, and so, yeah, we, when you when you play Greenville University, just know that you're going to get trapped and you're going to you're going to feel it for all 40 minutes. And then we're going to shoot a lot of threes. We're going to get a lot of easy buckets on you. And it's no joke. Even in 2018, you know, we put up 200 points on and we we're on ESPN. Um, and so 200 no points. Joke. Yeah. So, you know, Coach Barber, that. I wasn't there, unfortunately, but it was packed. I've seen the film. And so it was, it was on senior night and it was just a great atmosphere. Um, and so, you know, every, and then they also broke the NCAA record that year at 135 points a game. So Ooh. yeah, no, we put them up. So it, yeah, you're talking to the right guy. You know, I've been blessed just to be able to be part of Greenville's uh, program and just to be able oh. to coach here. It's just been, you know, it was, it's been real cool. So yeah. And just like, that's, that's insane. That's just God, that's just wow. 124. Can you imagine putting up 200 points in a game? Oh my I God. I couldn't imagine that. When I found out, I was just like, no, like you guys are joking. Like, don't play with <laughs> it. And then they show me the video of like ES on the SC top 10. And I'm like watching it. I'm just like, 
He's it's like, those are our kids right there. That's crazy. Yeah, I live in the same apartment complex with the guy that got the tip in at the last second to get 200. Like, I live in the same apartment complex. He's a super okay. cool guy. All those guys are great. Yeah. And just to clarify, you know, Coach Crutcher, uh, you're coaching at a Division three, correct? Yes, I am. Yeah, so uh, can you kind of explain, because I said, like, for the small ball recruits and stuff like that, uh, can you just kind of explain how recruiting kind of works, maybe brief as it is just for Division yeah. three? Because a lot of – you know, a lot of kids probably think that Division three can offer, but, you know, you guys can't. Yeah, so there's a lot of stigma with Division three basketball. Um, but basically, the short end of it is that we only can offer academic scholarships. We cannot offer athletic scholarships. Mm-hmm. So the higher the GPA you have, the more scholarships you can qualify for. So at most schools, there's a baseline scholarship. So the higher the GPA you can, impri- you can apply for, the more exclusive ones, and those have the more money. And, you know, the stigma with it is that, like, oh, you're still going to be paying like a lot of money in Division three. Realistically, some Division two guys are still playing a lot, a lot of money just to go sure. to school. Um, and so, but Division three, I just think there's a lot more opportunity to grow as a person and as a mm. student and as a basketball player. Um, just because, you know, it's, it, it is college basketball, but we allow, we allow our students to be involved with so many more opportunities that can really grow their, per, grow their personality. Um, but yeah, so just kind of the simple, simple thing is that, you know, we don't offer athletic scholarships, only academic. Yeah. And then just to clarify too, like for those players that are listening to our podcast, like division three still can recruit you. That's yeah. Let's just make that very clear. Cause I feel like a lot of kids think like, oh, they can't recruit. So it's like, since they can't offer athletic, they can't recruit. That's not true. What? That's a myth. Mm-hmm. That is a myth. Like you said, you have, you have five recruits on campus. This weekend. No, there's some dogs too. They're, and they're no joke. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> it's, it's just funny when I ever hear that, you know, it's some dogs, man. So, yeah, gotcha. Well, that's just great. Like I said, thank you for clarifying that for yeah. our listeners. That's awesome. Of course. I was talking to a coach one time and he said, he was making a comment about D3 schools and he said, because they can't offer athletic scholarships, they're not as competitive or they're not very good. And I was just kind of like, man, that's not true, dude. And it's all you have to D3 tell- schools. All you have to tell them, I'll tell them this, because I played college uh, basketball for three years with a teammate of mine. He led the nation in scoring. Um, and he's on Sports Illustrated. He averaged 33 a game. I was his point guard. His name's Eric Demers. He's the mm. only Division three guy in the G League right now. He's plays for the main Celtics. Most humble guy, but he will give you a bucket. And so whenever a guy tell, whenever someone tells me, oh, Division three, whatever, whatever, I just tell him about Eric because he, he's he, right. those guys that want to be in the G League. They're just not. Sure. So, um, so it's real cool. It's real cool. That's sweet. And my favorite thing about everything you said is you saying that you guys trap for 40 minutes because I always, I, I love pressure defense. I, I could be coaching a group of blind kids and I could be like, you know what? I think we can press a little bit, you know, like, yeah. I just, I love it. I feel like there's so many benefits to it. So mm-hmm. just kind of talk about this. Why should teams, cause it is, if you do it right, if you install full court pressure defense, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time that you got to invest in practice. Why should teams install a full court pressure defense into their program? Well, just to kind of dictate the pace of the game. I think the number one thing um, to speed up teams, make them feel uncomfortable the whole time. Um, you know, when, when your backs are against the wall, you, you kind of, you tend to do a lot of crazy things. You tend to turn over the ball very easily but for you I think a biggest thing is that you get easy buckets off of pressuring you get easy layups you, you boost your confidence your players get more energetic they're more engaged in the game there's no that there's no five minute laps in the beginning of the game or two minute laps like oh I'm kind of just still kind of you know warming up sure. so you're pressuring you have no choice you got to do it and if you don't next man up so you know it's a really good it's a really good thing though I love it I love every single thing about it in your experience whether it's high school or college 
have you ever played against like i don't know how how much size your teams have had have you ever played against a team where they had way more size than you and your pressure really helped to to kind of counterbalance that oh absolutely I, i when i was a player as i coach now like um, I'm a five, eight, I was a five, eight point guard. And so I used to just be a pest. You know, mm-hmm. if I was playing against a six foot two point guard, I'd be like, oh, this is, this is perfect. Cause I get to rip him. I get to pressure him. Right. And, you know, the bigger guards, you know, they're a lot more slower, but they're a lot more, they can handle the ball a little bit or sometimes. So mm-hmm. they try to back you down. But if you go for steals and you just get to pressure them, um, smaller teams definitely can have an advantage just because they're faster, the more pessimistic, they're just in your face 24 seven. And you can get in people's heads like that realistically. A few years ago, I don't know if you remember this race, but we were playing a prep school and they had these two kids that were like six, nine, six, eight. And our biggest kid, like our center was about six foot, you know, (laughs) and so we're sitting there and our game plan is, okay, we know we can't play with these guys in the half court. We got to dog these guys in the full court and just not even let them get into their set. So we played with them in the full court for like it was like the first quarter and a half. And, you know, we're, it's kind of like an eight-point game, whatever. But kind of what you said, it's kind of chaotic. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of how you had to play if we were going to compete. And I remember mm-hmm. we were like, we got to give our kids a break. So we pulled out of it. And as we pull out of it, they come into the half court and run this set and score just instantly with their big. And I'm like, we can't play with these guys in the half court. We just got to. But one mm-hmm. of the things that it taught me is – it doesn't matter how big you are. You can compete with anybody to a certain extent if you're running a full court pressure, right? So that's, that's what I love about pressure so much. Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, let's talk positives and negatives of pressure defense, because if we're being honest here, right? Like there's some positives, negatives. Um, yeah. Let's start with positives. What are some huge positives that you see with uh, pressure defense? I think I, I named one earlier is easy buckets off steals. Um, mm-hmm. You get to dictate the pace of the game. Um, and you can keep their opponent, your, your opponent on your toes. I think that's definitely mm. a biggest positive. You know, when you don't allow your opponent to run their, their sets, go through their big men, and don't allow them to do that, and they just have to, you know, kind of improvise, that's when mistakes happen a lot, when you're not sure. ready for that. You know, even if you prepare a whole week for pressure defense, it can be a whole other atmosphere. They can turn it up even more with the right guys or hitting shots more. So I think that's definitely a positive, getting, you know, getting your guys more engaged. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we played a team where they were, I don't know if you remember this either race, but they had a six eleven center and yes. their idea with the press break was just to throw it up to him. And he caught it in the full court, like at the very top of the press. And then they cleared everybody out and he was trying to dribble. And I heard one of the, our kids being like, Oh, you know, like they're, they're just getting them in every time. I'm like, yeah, but that six eleven kid is not used to doing that. Like he's getting put in a situation that he's not comfortable And that kid made a ton of mistakes, you know, and I think what you're saying is so true. I love seeing kids in scenarios where, you know, they're not comfortable and like, oh, something bad's about to happen. It's going to be good for us. Yeah, it kind of it's like a light bulb above your head. You're just like, oh, you you can't dribble. I'm going after you now. (laughs) You can't dribble with your left. I'm going after you. Like, that's just like I love seeing that as a coach. I used to love seeing it as a player. But I think from a coaching perspective, you're just like, oh, I'm going to go after you more now. Mm -hmm, Sure. You know, oh, it's cool. Okay, so no, let's no. talk negatives. Negatives mm-hmm. with pressure. Yeah, I think I think another one is just you know can give me, you can get up give up a lot of easy buckets also. So just as mm-hmm. much as you can get easy buckets, you can give up easy buckets. Um, but I think that's kind of like the risk reward factor that you kind of have to play with. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think another one would be probably fatigue. You know, you can condition your guys through the wall, but at some point they're gonna hit that wall and they're gonna be like, I can't do what I what I'm normally doing. So I think that's a huge another thing. And then. Um, you know quite frankly some players just might not be cut out for it 
You know what I mean? You can, they might be on your team. They might be the best guy, best guy off the court. Um, they even might be a really good basketball player, but some players just not cut out for press or defense sometimes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. The, big, the biggest thing I always think about is fouls, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially kind of like going to what you were alluding to is like your depth. You don't have that much depth and you're playing really aggressive in the full court. You could get some fouls, you know, and, and depending on the refing, which is a, another aspect to it, but but yeah, man, those things are tough and, and they kind of vary game to game too. So talk about coaching adjustments and okay. I, I got another one. This isn't one that we sent you, but I thought about it and I'm really yeah. curious about it. Okay. Because in your experience, you know, you, you're a pressure defense guy. You like pressure defense. Obviously you've implemented it. Do you press every single team that you like meet in the season? Or like, if you, let's say like, you know that you're playing against a team that has great guards and they're probably mm -hmm. going to be able to handle it. Do you mm -hmm. still do that because it's like, Hey, this is what we do. And we're just going to go out and be us. Or do you kind of like adjust that a little bit? Like what's your take on that? Because yeah, so, that's kind of what know, I'm trying to grow as a coach, you know? Yeah. So, you know, as assistant coach, you know, to coach Barber, you know, coach Barber, he's, he's a system guy. Like he, he's implemented this in 2015. And so I follow him. So, you know, no matter who we play, no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is, we are going to pressure you. We're going to pick you up 40 minutes. I don't care if you have the best guard in the nation. Hmm. We're, going to, we're going to pressure you. We're going to trap you. You're going to fill us for 40 minutes because if he is the best point guard in the nation and you allow him just to bring up the ball, it's going to be a longer night for you. I'd rather hmm. me pressure him, get trapped, get the ball out of his hand. So even if you're playing, you know, even a pair of good guards, I still would pressure him just because you're still dictating the pace. You can still get the ball out of their hands. But if you allow them to kind of just um, walk up the ball, let them set up their favorite plays, let them sure. come off the pitch, let them hit shots easy that's not doing any better for you might as well just pressure them so i love it i'm pressure no matter what even if we play the best guard yeah and i like that mindset i feel like that's where i'm at you mm -hmm. know I, I just i know that there's been teams that we've approached even just recently when we're like man they have so many shooters and we kind of think twice about it but mm -hmm. then you have to think about as a coach well then they're taking you out of what you want to do before the game even starts you know so it's kind of a, a weird balance to think about so. mm -hmm absolutely yeah absolutely and to kind of piggyback off what you said earlier about like you know the negatives about pressure defense like some kids are just not cut out for it and mm -hmm. we've actually had some coaches in the small ball i mean especially in depth like with, with dealing with small ball kids there's probably the schools are probably about like what a thousand kids 800 kids deep so yeah. i mean multiple kids are playing multiple sports whatever so i mean like you don't get the luxury of having like eight guys ready to go it's like six guys realistically and stuff so we've had teams you know that are less athletic including us when we were less athletic um can they still run presses like the two two one or like a man press um with success you know even if they're not as athletic like do you think they can still get success out of it yeah i think you definitely can specifically a two two one press yeah most definitely because with the two two one press depending on how aggressive you are um, ultimately you want to slow down the game if you're in a two, two, one press, you want to keep them in front of you, let them, let them be in front of you. And you kind of just dictate the whole thing. If you can waste 10 seconds off the shot clock and they're just now getting to the three point line on their offensive side, you've done your job in a two, two, one press. Sure. You have, you know, um, and I think that definitely benefits you, especially if you don't have as fast or as quick guards or as lengthy guards or as, 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 as athletic guards. Um, I think a two, two, one press is phenomenal. You can do man to man press. That's definitely still iffy. Just because, you know, you are, um, if you don't have the quick guards up top, you know, they're just going to get blown by. And then, you know, that messes up your trap and you know, you don't know how to corral somebody correctly. You know, that's just going to be a, a recipe for disaster. So I think if you are, if you do have less athletic guards, 
you are in a two-two-one press or a man press specifically, as long as you can corral somebody and you know keep them in, you might not have the most aggressive trap, but if you can kind of put in the in like that L shape and they're just stuck mm-hmm. there, you kind of just have to make a dic- uh, like dictate what they want to do. I think that's the best best bet if you do have less athletic guards. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that. And so kind of going on with that as well, um, how do coaches, how can coaches help their less athletic players compete at that high level within the press? I think it all starts at practice. I think you just got to, you, you got to be on their butt. You got to be in their face in a very positive, encouraging way. You know, I've had coaches that kind of are, you know, negative in a way, but, you know, Coach Barber has shed a whole new light on me. Is like, you can be in someone's face and still love them and be positive. So I think if you drill that to them in practice, they got to be like, he loves me. He wants me to work hard. I'm going to go do it, even if I don't even think I can do it. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. instill that confidence in them and practice every single day, just showing them love every single day, telling them that you can do this. Eventually, they're going to be like, hey, he kind of has a point. And then they're just going to bring that level that, that level even more. So even when it comes to games, they're going to be like, you know, what? I do this every day in practice. Why, not, why can't I just do it now? Yeah. Mm. Okay. You, I like you mentioned that. the shot clock. Mm-hmm. We're actually getting the shot. Cl- Did they have a shot clock for you in California when you were yeah, in high yeah. school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They- well, 35 seconds. Yeah, it was 35. So we're getting that next year in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So I've talked to some coaches and there's a lot. I mean, we're one of them kind of talking about two, two, one, exactly for what you said, just dictating the pace and slowing it down. I mean, realistically, how many, you know, how many high school teams are going to possess the ball for 35 seconds? There's not a lot, especially in the small ball scene. Res yeah. ball, you know, it's just, it's run and gun. You're shooting the ball like crazy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what you're saying is true, and that's on a lot of people's minds. If you can shave 10 seconds off the clock or so before they're getting into their offense, I mean, that's huge. That's what a lot of people are thinking about, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, especially you're going to love the shot clock because if you didn't have one before, you're going to love it now because mm-hmm. when you do get a good trap, and you get that three to four seconds and they throw it up in the air and then they get another three to four seconds. And then you look at, up, they got to look at it 12 seconds on the clock. You're like, Oh, I can really, you know, now it's got to play straight up man and be smart with it and don't get an easy foul. Mm-hmm. And now they just got to force up a bad shot. And that's more, that's positive energy for you, you know, and I, and your guys get hyped. If you get a shot clock violation, like, you know, that just, that can change the whole game. I remember when I was playing in college, like a shot clock violation, it felt like somebody taking a charge, you know, it was like, (laughs) yeah, it just hypes you up. It's a momentum shifter, you know? Oh Yeah. And you get the fan, if you're at home, you get the fans going. If you, even if you're away, you're still, now you can look at the crowd and, you know, do a little talking if you do that, Um, (laughs) do all that, man. So it's, it's real good. That's sweet. No, I like that. So with the two, two, one, what mm-hmm. type of players do you want in specific as far as like athletes? Do you want risk takers? Do you want got kids with good hands? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like so, what type of players do you want for that two, two? Oh, it, let's just start off in the back, you know, in the one spot in the very, very back. I want the biggest risk taker I can imagine. I mm-hmm. want somebody that's comfortable taking a risk that is technically like a DB or, cor- or like a safety or something like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of have that, that mindset, you know, especially at the collegiate level, that ideal height is probably like 5'11 to like 6'2, someone that's quick on their feet. It's going to go mm-hmm. get rid of, get a deflection, something like that. And the second tier is usually where you know, your forwards are going to be, your length of your guys, right? Um, you know, just because they're not as quick as the, your point guard or your shooting guard. Um, so your three and four would be ideally right there. Mm-hmm. Um, or even your three and five, just because your five might not be a good risk taker. Um, so they're good, really good trapping. And then obviously the top two guys are you know, your go-getters. You know, how, how aggressive you want to be. So let's just say, at, you know, at our level, we want to be super aggressive. I want my two fastest guys, my two pessimistic guys. I want them mm-hmm. up front to cause problems. Those I are your two dogs. Yes, exactly. My two dogs. I want them to go cause as many problems as they can cause. 
They can get a flexion. They can get a steal. They can tap it off his leg. All that. I love that. Um, but so, yeah, that's just be the best. But the, in the back, it is ideally your biggest risk taker has to be in the back just because you can go take off passes. You know what I mean? It's interesting. I've never heard someone in the 2-2-1 and talking about it. I'm just telling you, most coaches around here, they're putting their big in that back spot. It's almost yeah. like hiding him. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's different philosophies with that, you know, exactly. shot blocker or whatever. But I exactly. love that idea. Put your put the kid back there who's a great risk taker. Let him play safety. And those, especially at your level, at the college level, and, I mean, depending on what level high school you're playing at, those cross-court passes are easier, you know, oh. and you got to have somebody take that away. I'll tell you this. In, like, seventh grade AAU, we, I was actually on a really good AAU team. This is how that, – that's how our 2 2 one with press was set up. We'd play guys out in the EYBL that were, like, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, all that. And we're all, like, below, like, 6'1", you know, our biggest yeah. guy. So I'd be the guy in the back. So I would just go and risk it. I'm like, hey, right. hey I'm not going to get, I'm not going to go block him. I'm definitely not going to take a charge because I'm not going to get dunked on. So it's like <laughs> when I'm up, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go get a steal. That way I don't have to, you know, go try to take a charge. So I, that's how my mindset was. And so I translated that to here at the collegiate level where guys are as, are as, as athletic or mm. as rich can go get that pass or really fast. They can handle the ball off a steal. So now I'm just looking at it. I'm like, if I can do this in seventh grade, imagine what I can do with collegiate guys. Sure. And even at the small ball level, like, like I said, if you ask any of your players, you want them to take a charge, but in the back of the head, they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to get dunked on. Yeah, no, nobody really <laughs> wants to do that. We're being yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. So you, the best thing is just telling like, hey, if you don't want to go get dunked on, go make the steal, go make a play so you're not in there. Um, so I, I love that. I know, I, but especially, I think you said it perfectly. Different coaches have different philosophies. I think that you said that perfectly. So depending on what you're comfortable with and what you think is the best with your personnel, do that. You know? No, I like that. So in the trap now, like I said, we're going to we're trying to dive deep into this. Where okay. ideally do you want to trap on the court? Um, where do you want not to trap on the court? And then how do you limit players from catching the ball in the middle? And we're yeah. specific so like right I, now to that 2-2-1. Two, two, so. Okay. Okay. We'll lock them in that 2-2-1. Two, two, so like I said, my two dogs up front, I want them to put the, as much pressure on the ball and then that second guy wants to – so, for example, it's 2-2-1 two, two, right here, right? The these are the top mm -hmm. two guys. This guy is going to go pressure the ball like no. The other one's going to be like a rubber band effect. He's going to go mm -hmm. in the back, cover the whole middle. Because we don't mm -hmm. want the ball in the middle. ball gets the middle, it's over. But that, it's just going rubber back. Because so if they're passing it back and forth here, it's like a rubber band effect. That's sure, all I want. Sure. And then that second tier, but I, what I want the trap is right before the half-court line or right after the half-court line. Mm -hmm. But if you want to play it. There's, like, there's just so many ways. I love this because you can do the rubber band effect or you can just completely have your two guys up here, shade them off and force them to the sideline and get that trap on that side. Sure. That was two you can do. Um, I personally love the rubber band effect just because I want my guys to go pressure and make them feel uncomfortable. And just right. mess. Um, but you can also definitely get that trap right before half court or right after. And if you get it right after, they're going to throw it up in the air. You're going to get a deflection. Easy steal. Hmm. One, one of the hardest things we have to get our kids to understand is that like you don't usually get a steal off of the initial trap what you're looking yes. for is you want to get a steal off of the pass you know off of a but if you get a deflection that's awesome yeah. right but but if you're going for a steal unless you got really good hands you know what i'm saying but if you're going for that steal on that trap you're probably going to get a foul call but if you get a deflection you're getting a steal off that bad pass you know oh i think you said it like that's honestly the biggest thing is the you're not going to get a steal at the first pass like you said and as teammates you have to instill in that like hey you might not get the steal you might not get the the glory of it but if you get a deflection 
you, that that's that is that I think that even is more than you know hitting the ball out of bounds because if you yeah. need to get a deflection inbounds, but the ball still fly, you know it's still alive and it keeps going and keeps the play alive, so it's real really good. Our coach in college, he tried to. He always said that you do what is recorded, you know, and they realized that they, we weren't recording deflections at all. So as far as stats, we started recording deflections because we wanted kids to, yeah. you know, which I think those numbers were fudged. I mean, I don't know how you can tell how somebody gets, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell someone gets a deflection or not. But yeah. regardless, I mean, it helped a lot, man. I, I just remember me as a player just really just going for that. I just want to touch the ball. And if I could just touch it, there you go. I got my deflection, and then we had a better chance of getting a steal. So that's that's really good. Yeah, yeah. So where are you not looking at the trap now? So where are you like, what not looking at the trap? Yeah. Uh, well, you obviously don't want the ball in the middle. You want yeah. them ideally to make that long pass over the head, um, mm -hmm. even if it's past your first two tiers and, they, and that wrist guy in the back. But I think – yeah, I think you can trap anywhere you can and wherever you feel comfortable. If you can get a good trap, even even higher around, you know, our three-point line, that's good. But, you know, as long as the ball doesn't hit middle, your 2-2-1 press should be good. Hmm. It should. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, as long as the ball's out of the middle, I'm happy. You can get a, If you can get a good trap anywhere on the floor, I'm cool with it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Taking care of your dogs can be rough. Luckily, your friends over at BarkBox have you covered. Sign up to receive monthly care packages delivered right to your door with food, toys, and treats customized just for your dog. With prices starting at $23 a month and free shipping, now is the time to get started with BarkBox. Use our personalized BarkBox link either in the description or on our social media platforms to get deals, promotions, and more for your favorite pups. So do you think the, the rubber band effect is probably the best or like you would recommend to keep to limit players from the touches in the middle? Uh, yeah, honestly, I would too, because even if you think I would say that because in a normal two, two, one press, right. Let's just say, we're not going to do the rubber band effect and we're just going to have these two guys here and they're sure. kind of like match up, whatever. And then you have your forwards here and they're going to be in that, you know, on the half court line, ideally, or right above it. And now they have the cover middle. I don't think that you, that is an option, but I don't think it's the most aggressive option. So that's why I like the rubber band because it gets my guys moving a lot more. They're not kind of just flat footed waiting for a trap. And, you know, I think the best traps kind of come off the move and you, you corral somebody. So as long as your guys are moving, you can corral somebody and then now you can dictate where they want to go. You don't want the offense to dictate where they're going to go. You know what I mean? Even like think of like the best NBA players. They don't kind of just kind of, you know, play however they want and then look what the defense gives them. They're going to go to their spots where they're comfortable and get their that mid range like CP3 mm. or something like that. So that I kind of think that I have that mindset in a trap. I don't want the offense, you know, kind of dribbling wherever they want. I want to dictate where they go. So I want to force them up the sidelines. I want to, I want to trap them whenever I can. Um, so I have that mindset and kind of in like the, in the half court sense. It's, it's kind of weird to explain over like over this, but that's kind of my mindset behind it. No, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I like that. What you said, because honestly, I've been super real. I've run mm -hmm. diamond press. I've run run and jump, man press. Two two one. I have the least experience with. So when you said two two one, I was kind of excited about it just to kind of learn more. What I've always done or just even seen is the top two guys. They kind of do like a run and jump thing, you know, where they just kind of pass and try to keep it sideline. And yeah. then the middle was supposed to be taken by that weak side forward. Yeah. And, and what I hated about that is then you just send a couple guys in the back and it's just a long pass. And then it's like you, they got numbers. Exactly. I always hated that. So hearing that rubber band thing, even, hey, I kind of like the 2 2 1 now. It's kind of interesting. No, especially because now you don't have your less fast guys 
you know, kind of moving around because, you know, sometimes they get out of place. That's hap that happens in basketball, right? You might just get misplaced because you think you can get a steal. Now you're relying on the risk taker and doing all the risks. Your forwards are kind of just solid, like a solid wall. They don't have to move as, move as much. They just have to worry about the trap and not the guy in the middle. Rather, mm -hmm. as in the rubber band effect, mm -hmm. your two fast guards, they love it because they get to just move. They're running sure. around. They're like, if I can get a steal right here, oh, I'm great because I can go make a layup now. Yeah. I don't have to <laughs> nobody. I can get an easy bucket. But now, and they love that. They love that movement around that because, you know, when you're up there and you're kind of, your fast guards are kind of caged in, they don't like that. They don't want to be caged in. You want, they want to have right. the freedom to move what they want. So I love the rubber band effect. I personally love it. And depending mm -hmm. on my football, something like that. That's good. That's good. I'm trying to think, Rich, you got anything else for that two two one? Because I mean, I feel like I've already learned a little bit here, so that's good. With I, that, say, I, kinda, I, I like that rubber band effect, just the way you explained it, everything. Like that. I mean, a lot of coaches watch, watch, catch this. Now we're gonna message you come during the summer because if coaches do listen to this, I wouldn't be surprised if we're gonna see the rubber band effect during some summer league game. For real, dude. Honestly. <laughs> Oh, I just thought of something. I'm super glad I thought about this. Okay, so you're running 2-2-1 a lot. What yeah. is the most common way or the most effective way? Because, you know, you want to know strengths of your defense. You mm -hmm. also want to know weaknesses. What's mm -hmm. the way that you see teams attack it other than just putting the ball in the middle that they see a lot of success with? If, and that's cool. off the top of your head, but, you know. No, like, yeah. I think where if I'm – if I, you're talking about if I'm on offense – yeah, sure. Okay, so as because I was a point guard, so I used to I used to love it because I was a fast, quick point guard. So when the guys were anybody would try to press me, I'm like, I'm this is great. But I'm just gonna go around you. Mm -hmm. So ideally, I just say I'm a point guard, and we're in that. We see a two-two-one press, and they're doing the rubber band effect. I want to just kind of play mind games. I want to be as patient as possible because mm -hmm. the whole point of the rubber band effect is to make you make a mistake. It's to, it's right. not the most you know systematic two-two-one. It's to make you make a mistake as an offense player. So as a point guard, I got to be as patient as possible. If I can see a lane, I got to go at that lane and I got to try to split those forwards because like mm -hmm. I said, the forwards are kind of flat-footed most of the time and they're just trying sure. to go a wall. So I want to try to attack the forward either for a split or an in and out cross or in and out going sideline, either one of those. But if you get caught on that sideline and you just don't know what to do and you're kind of just picking up the ball, you, yeah, you're going to trouble if you pick up the ball. So you got to sure. keep the dribble alive, but you got you to gotta split the forward and you got to attack the forward. You know what huh. I mean? That's good, man. That's good. Yeah, because I we seriously it was about what has it been like four years, Reyes? Yeah. That we like sold out into like full court pressure defense, and yeah. like every day we're just focusing in on it in practice in one way or another. That was one of our non negotiables. Every yeah. day in practice, in one way or another, we're working on the pressure defense, and it always made me super angry when we'd play against the team, and I felt like they just. Picked it apart, man. And I'm like, God, there's nothing more frustrating than that. I hated it. No, it is the most frustrating part as a coach is when you think you like you're in a ga great game plan before a game. And then you go out there and the the, uh, uh, the opponent is just picking you guys apart. You're just like, dang, got to switch it up now. <laughs> I got to go junk. I know. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things. So God. let's transition to man. Okay. Mm -hmm. So transitioning to man defense, which is what we have a lot of experience working with. I know you have as well. There's a lot of different ways you could do man press. You know, you could, you could just do straight up, no traps. You could do traps. You could do like a, you know, double team the point guard to make somebody else bring the ball up. You know, there's the guy in like free safety. Who's just kind of like making it a tough catch. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. What are some ways that you, which way specifically have you seen to be the most successful for you and your squads? Um, so, you know, here 
uh, we have about I think four different man to man presses, right? I'm not gonna go mm. in depth. I don't want my opponent watching this. Either. <laughs> but uh, uh, but no, basically I'll give you the brief overview of everything. Uh, you know, simple man to man trap. You know, you trap on the first inbound pass. Let's just go through that. Okay. Mm. I think I I I favor that one a little bit more depending on the personnel. If there's a sure. quick point guard and I know he's good and I know he's smart and he has the IQ, he's not just quick. I kind of just want to, I kind of want to bait him to think he can get a speed dribble going and then get a trap going normal man to man. Sure. But if they kind of have everyone's mediocre guards, they all can handle the ball pretty well. That, that first inbounds pass, I love trapping that because then you guys, mm. you guys can get easy steals. Yeah. You might give up, you know, come some easy layup, like two or three layups, you know, whatever. Uh, but you're going to get two or three steals or three, four. That's that high touches. risk, high reward. Exactly. Exactly that. Um, but one of my personal favorites, like this is like, I, we did this in high school and it was, it was killer is play normal man to man. Think that you're just playing man to man. Right. And then the moment they get past half court, you can either trap them completely send a second guy at them. Or this is what my favorite is, is you think they can set up their offensive play. They make them, they probably make that first pass. Then you go trap whoever's on the ball mm. goes and trap. That's my favorite one by far, because mm. it's least expected. You can do it out of a timeout and it'll junk and it'll mess up their whole play. Mm. Um, and I love it. And we used to call it red. And so, like, for example, like point guards bring it up. They're like, oh, this is normal man to man. We're good. Run horns or whatever. Okay. He might swing it to the to the wing. That guy, whoever's on the ball, go jump. And then that next guy has to get that rotation. Sure. Um, and so I love it. I just love it because it just, it, it, you people at least expect it. Um, mm. Obviously, you, you can do it on a consistent basis, but you're going to lose the effect of it. So the best time to do it out of a timeout, um, out of a, if they bring up the ball kind of slow, they kind of dictate pace. You want to change, junk something up um you know the full court man is not working so let's just kind of junk it up see what they do and then you can go right back in a full court man because mm. now they think that you know you're just playing right. mind games with them i love playing mind games with opponents i love junking up defense like that, that so, that's yeah. been one of my okay let me ask you this so that's perfect because this is another thing i just thought of that's also one of my favorite things i'm trying to think the last couple of years we really just honed in on it was like three defenses four mm-hmm. four four, four, four court, full court man it was we did a diamond we okay. did a full court man with traps. Okay. We did just a full court man, no traps. And then we did a full court man when we're double teaming the ball and stuff and just making it just kind of chaotic. It was almost like a, like, you know, like a late game situation where you have to get a steal and then score. Yeah. It was just like that, you know? So we kind of yeah. switched between those and we found ways to make it like the diamond press. It looked just like a man press, you know, where we'd follow mm-hmm. the guys yeah. and then like we had ways to mask it and we we're playing against this coach who was from a much bigger school than us. And yeah. dude, it was one of the funnest things ever. Like we yeah. switched it. We went into man. We got a couple steals. He called timeout. And we're like, all right, let's go diamond here. And then we go okay. diamond and he's frustrated. And we're, all right, let's just go regular man, no traps. And they're yeah. all kind of, it's just, you know, you're, they're out of sorts. They don't know what's going on at that sure. point. They're not even thinking about what their offense is. They're just like, yeah. what, what are we playing against? You know, like <laughs> that, that's, that's really what they're thinking of. So like yeah. how, how often do you switch that up in a game? Because I've heard coaches say, like, never do the same thing more than twice, and then you switch oh. it. You know what I mean? Or do you just, yeah. if it's working, do you stay with it? Like, what's your philosophy on that? Oh, I personally think I love junking up defenses. Like, mm. I think later on down the road when I do get my own program and everything like that, because that's the end goal, um, I want to junk up defenses. So, like, if, I, if for example, I know they can shoot the ball very well, I'm going to pressure them. They don't follow their shooting 20% from three or something like that. Oh, I'm going to hop in a 2-3 zone every now and then. I'm going to mess mm-hmm. with you. Sure. You know what I mean? I might hop in a one, two, two half court, just really mess with you and pack it in, play pack line defense. Hmm. Um, I personally love junking up defense. We did it kind of pa- the past year, you know, coach, this is why I say coach Barber really trusted me. He started trusting me, allowing me to like, you know, integrate my defenses in the, into the game. 
And That's so when awesome, I did that, man. you know, it's been, oh, it was a blessing, man. It was really like, I'm a first year coach. Like this is like, mm. you know, I'm not supposed to be doing this, but like, I'm, <laughs> like you know, I'm supposed to be, you know, just chilling with a clipboard and cooling, you know, um, you know, talking to the guys, but you know what we did, like if we, we pressed guys, you know, five, seven times in a row, get a really good trap going. And then, you know, they might call timeout. Then we're going to hop in a two, three zone. And mm. they're like, I've never seen a Greenville team hop in a two, three zone before. So um, we do really, really well in the two, three. So then they, they put their shooters in They're like, Oh, you're going to come out now. Next, they call timeout. We put in our, our fast guys, we go pressure them. Now sure. the shooters trying to handle the ball and we're getting easy rips. Now they call another timeout hopping a one two two half court. They're just like, Oh my God, <laughs> what is What's happening? I know, and then we'll go, then we'll start pressing them out of nowhere. Then we'll hop in a man to man trap. Then we'll hop in red. Um, but yeah, I love jump defenses depending mm -hmm. on their, their personnel. But there's also a disadvantage to that because now they that now they now what if the coach is like you know what forget what they're doing, let's just play our game and they sure. want to just walk the ball up then you're just like okay and now I got to trap you pretty much sure right uh, yeah and that's all I can do, um, but like I said I but to answer your question I love it I love junking them up. It's you know what you said at the beginning kind of the theme of this is like when you pressure you kind of control the pace of the game. When you get to that point where you're just switching up defenses, it's like a whole nother level where you really oh. are like, you're literally <laughs> dictating everything. And yep. I mean, it's fun for the kids, man. That's probably a positive that we should have mentioned. Like kids just love to get up and down. You know, we've level. seen that. Engagement levels are up here. Like with how we play, we go five man in, five man out. Right. And so the engagement. Okay, gotcha. My coach used to do that in college too. Yeah. So the college, the normal college program plays, you know, six to eight guys, depending on foul trouble. We play 10 to 12 guys. And so that engagement goes trickles through the whole program because they're like next man up type of thing. You know what I mean? So it's real. It's really fun. In your man press mm -hmm. that you do that you trap, I know you have different ways of doing it. Do you have one where you just massively bait them towards the sideline and then send like the next closest person to go and trap? Like, is that kind of yeah. one that you do? You get a back tap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. um, yeah. That, that's kind of, even that's like, um, well, that, that is kind of, just like a normal, a normal thing for us. It's gotcha. like, if we kind of want to relieve our, you know, our full court pressure just a little bit more, we're just like, okay, go man to man and then get a trap in the half court. So the moment you see him speed dribbling up the sideline and then you're in the back court already, mm -hmm. go trap and you'll get a back tap. They get a nice little tap in the back. Our, one of our fours is going to pick it up. They just throw it down court, easy layup mm -hmm. or easy three. Mm -hmm. And the thing is with us is if you're, if you're on a fast break and it's a two on one situation and you can want to pull a three, our whole system is based off that. We want you to pull it. Sure. Because. What do long shots create? Long rebounds. Long rebounds. And that just messes with people even more. But if it goes in, high risk, high reward. You get three points when you're only supposed to get two. Hmm. And you're stealing possession away. Right. I, I was coaching in Tennessee too. And like one of the one of one of the th games that sold me on pressure is we were playing this team that had really great shooters and we pressed them the whole game and they did not shoot the ball very good. And I remember after the game talking to some of those kids. Cause I just knew them just being in Tennessee. Like we just knew each other and we we're just kind of talking and they were like, man, I, my legs were so tired. I couldn't even get my shots like into my rhythm, you know, but like what's, what's cool about it. It's an understated thing. It's underrated. You know, a lot of coaches and I have a temptation to think like that. Well, we don't want to press these guys cause we're giving up wide open threes, but they're not always just wide open set threes. You got these kids running and those legs are going to get tired and they're not used to playing like that, you know? So yeah, a thousand percent fatigue. Like I said, fatigue is a big it's a disadvantage for you, but it might be even more of an advantage for the <laughs> other team is just so tired. Cause sure. I've, I've said a similar situation with you. 
I've had players come up to us and they're just like, I've never played that fast in my whole entire life. <laughs> right. Like they, they're like they're drained. Like they yeah, they made a beat us or whatever, but like they're just like, I'm drained. And that's that's cool to see though. Like outside of a, like a competitive atmosphere, it's a blessing to watch this type of stuff, to watch pressure basketball. As you're if you're a fan, you you're like the whole time and you love it. It's yeah. a blessing. So it's it's I do like I like that that perspective of it. Okay, so then moving to the practice side of things. Because, okay. I mean, if, if we're being real with ourselves, as coaches, we all know it's not about what you do in the game. It's about practice. If you're building it in practice, it's going to happen and show forth in the game. What's an yeah. essential that you found that team – and your perspective, whether it's as a player or as a coach, an essential that teams have to do in practice to run a successful full-court man pressure defense in the game? I think as a successful, you know, as a player and a coach and stuff like that, to see it and to implement it, you got to make them competitive, number one. you got to keep score or something. Not just that keeps the you keep that keeps your players engaged. That keeps them. It's a game like situation, and it creates that pressure, you know, as an offensive player and a defensive player. Um, and I don't know. Um, so yeah, I think that's just the biggest thing is making it competitive all the time. Like yeah, you want to walk through scenarios and you got to do what if situations with them, and sure. that's great. I think that's is needed because you know what a player is going to do. Like you're going to ask them, hey, do you understand? They're like yes, coach. Yes, coach. Yes, coach. <laughs> no back in the head, they're like, I have no idea what coach just said. <laughs> so like let's just kind of scratch that and let's just do what if situations let's walk through the whole thing right what what happens if this pass goes here and you have the whole team answer what happens if this pass goes here what happens if i do this creating that what if scenarios with your players that allows them to ask genuine questions because now they understand it and they're understanding mm -hmm. the rotation um so i definitely think that that's definitely it. but like i said the second thing keep it score keep it competitive you know like mm -hmm. you said deflections if you get a deflection that's a point first one to 12 points wins sure you can do all that type of stuff. You get a you get a steal. That's plus three points. You can count even you can even do this. You can have steals count as four points. You know mm. what I mean? Just because they're more than three points, and they're the most valuable thing in pressure sure. defense. So that's that's one thing I learned too. That's good. Yeah, I I didn't think about adding that many points to it, but yeah, it puts an emphasis on it. So that's really good. Yeah. This is so off topic. Before you know, Jeff hits this other question. Like, <laughs> off topic. We, what are you gonna ask? Him? Well, it's just like it's just. I mean, we're we're you know we're diving deep into all this, but it's kind of reminding me of the yes, coach. Yes, coach. Coach, do you remember Jordan during Jason's year? And every time a uh, coach Wall would explain like, a play or something like that, and Jordan oh, yeah. like, didn't understand, and then that's he'd be so walking. Funny. He'd be walking down and he'd ask our like our best kid. He'd be like, "Hey, like, wait, what do I gotta do?" And like, he's like the important part of the play. Like, he needs to know. Like, this. he's like the key part. He's yeah. like the key part. He'd be like, "Wait, what, what yeah. do I do?" And then everybody's just like, and then yeah, the play would not the, the play would not go right. The play would not go right every time. Exactly. Exactly. It's so funny. We were in a timeout. Well, now that you said that, now you got my mind thinking about stuff. But <laughs> we were in a timeout one time like a like a crucial end of game situation our, our coach sits down he draws up this like amazing play you know and he's like all right are you guys good we're gonna go win this game he's like all right cool and so then we go out and then one of the kids who's a key part to it turns around to me grabs my arm like like with a vice grip like he looks at me and he's like coach i don't know what i'm supposed to do right now i'm like man, are you kidding me man like he just said he just told you and i told him and he's like uh okay i got it i'm like he still doesn't know what he's I can't tell you how many times in my collegiate career when I was playing, coach, I'll coach Murph, our head coach. He was he played in the NBA for a couple of years at, at Gordon, and he would draw up some crazy plays, and it would be perfect. Like it would be like, oh my, my how do you think of this? It would be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. 
and I would, I would like picking. I'm paying attention because I have to know everybody's spot as a point guard. I got to make sure everybody knows. Sure. Me, right? And so I know, I know my players, my teammates very, very well. So I know who's paying attention. I know who's kind of just la la land. So after timeouts, I would go up to them right after an crucial. I'm like, listen, you're doing this, 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 and this. If you don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be mad, and I'm gonna repeat it again. So I would tell them two times outside of the timeout, walking. And you know me as a point guard, I have to inbound the ball. Ref is like, who's inbounding the ball? So I'm like sprinting around the court, telling. Them <laughs> so I would do that. Because, like, I just know in the back of my mind, even if they watch the whole time, it's not going right. to register. Sure. And that, you know, that happens. So, wait, oh, man, is we Gordon need... College in Massachusetts? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And Codes, that's where Ryan Tatel is going for Pushridge. Okay, nice. There's a kid in the small ball scene who just committed over there. So that's pretty Oh, sweet. he's in it. Yeah, man. I, like, I'm, a, I'm an alum from there, man. He's going to love Coach Murphy. Coach Murphy, that man knows some basketball. Yeah, like, that's good. You, you want some offensive plays? You can call him up. He'll give you like 10 off the bat. Like just off the top had, of his head. Off the top of his head. We had like 45 plays. And we ran our favorite 10. That's it. But we didn't right. have 45 plays. <laughs> we have like, you know, I think we had like 15 out of bounds plays, five sidelines, four to go just straight into the, you know, to our four man, seven for shooters. Like we just had a crazy amount of plays. And I loved it because it made my IQ 20 times better. Like mm. I was like, I'm just like, I'll, I, I'll, I'll call, call, I would love to call Coach Murphy up and just like, hey, can I just have like 10 plays? And he'll just be like, yeah, I'll send them over to you. Like, I just feel like he would do that. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. I'm going to do it. But like, I haven't done it, but I guarantee he will do it. He'd just be like, okay, here you go. That's so and, uh, cool. Got kind of off top again. What he would do is after like a certain amount of plays, every day in practice, he'd print out the plays on a piece of paper and hand them out packets to us after practice. And he would put names on it so he would know, because, you know, some players might just throw them away. He would know <laughs> who would leave them out on the court or who would throw them in the trash. And then next day in practice, he'd be like, oh, Hey, Jordan, you know this play? And he and he's like, no, you don't, because I saw your packet left in the gym. <laughs> I love him. But he's, a, he's in really good hands if he goes to Gordon. That's really cool, man. That's sweet. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so one of the, the hardest things that I've found as a coach in implementing pressure, like full-court man pressure defense, and again, focusing on man right now, mm -hmm. is getting our kids to find their guy after a made bucket. Like, it is, it's a challenge. And we've tried to come up with some ways to simulate it in practice. I'm curious, how have you found ways to simulate that in practice? Because there's nothing more frustrating than we make a bucket. We're all trying to get to our guy. And you know, it only takes one kid to not get to their guy. And then boom, two passes layup, and then we're out of it. So how do you yeah. find ways to simulate that in a game or in practice? So I think the biggest drills, which you can do, I personally love it. I didn't think of this until I got to Greenville is four on three situations but there's four defenders three offensive players hmm. and when you first hear it you're like i don't sound like it should be it should be the other way around you know what i mean mm -hmm. but here we are okay so this four on three situation right so there's four four defensive players three offensive players look i see yeah. this face He's, i don't think this is going so, <laughs> yeah, friends, I see too. So, so yeah let me break it down. i'm just smiling i'm so interested <laughs> yeah so four guys on defense right this they have no choice but to get a steal or a stop so that triggers mm -hmm. in their brain oh, I can't get embarrassed. There's three offensive players. I have to get a steal. I have to take a risk because hmm. I have nobody else to guard. I have no, sure. nobody behind me. My mindset is not on the guy behind me. It's for the guys in front of you. And that right. triggers the players' minds to take risks, to get used to just going for risks and not thinking about the guy behind them. Because sometimes you'd be like, hey, should I go for this steal? Could I should go for this deal? There's a guy behind me. I'm in a two-on-one situation, but my guys are trapped up top. But realistically, if they just commit completely, hmm. that they're gonna, 95 percent of the time, they're going to get the steal. So right. the floor, it triggers them to make the steal, make them take the risk. They have huh. no choice because otherwise they're just standing on the, on the sideline 
with their hands in their pocket, just chilling. And now we look at them as coaches. We're like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. it's a four and three. Go get that trap. And when they when you first do it, I'm telling you this right now. If you do this in practice, players are going to be like, um, why am I doing this? I don't have anybody to guard. And that's when you drill them. You, well, you better get a steal. Because if you don't mm. get a steal, it's embarrassing on your part. And then that huh. pride comes in the factor. When that sure. pride comes in the factor, they're going to they're gonna be like, oh, I have to get this. And they're like, this is too easy. This is too easy. And then once you kind of get to a point where it is too easy for them and they're getting steals every, every single time on a four and three on three on two possession, then that's when you throw in a five on five. They're like, mm. okay, now you now it's even. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. So now you're going to see them go for way more risks. They're going to go get more steals. They're going to get more deflections. And if they get an easy layup, cool. Oh, well, because you're still going to make up three more steals later on. So sure. it just triggers the brain to kind of train them to go take the risks. So that was I, the biggest thing. I, I love that. Yeah, I didn't. Because yeah, like one of the hardest things, and, and I mean, you know, it's even as a coach or as a player, is there anything more frustrating if you sell out, you get an amazing trap, maybe even a deflection, and then they pass out of it and there's nobody rotating? Oh, my biggest pet, one of my biggest pet, <laughs> you get a good trap in an L in a corral situation, and there's a guy, your, your guy right here, and there's a guy all the way in the back by on, on offense, all the way in, standing there underneath their basket, and I, my guy's kind of just in, in no man's land, what we call mm-hmm. it is no right that's one of my biggest pet peeves i'm like if you don't just commit to somebody like just commit that's all i ask if you're gonna Mm -hmm. go for the guy in the back go for the guy in the back but realistically you want everyone committing into that you know up up towards the trap because that's where the most passes are going to be and if they throw it that long pass and you don't get that steal that's that's unacceptable you're probably coming off the court right yeah yeah there's three seconds underneath that ball where you can go and chase that thing Hmm. so but yeah, that just teaches them risks pretty much. It's good because it's it's hard. One of the most difficult things is like looking at a kid and being like, leave your man, like leave him, like don't think about him, just go get that steal. It's hard for mm-hmm. them to do that sometimes and, and just to learn how to do it. So yeah, that's that's really good. I never thought about that four and three, but that it kind of ingrains in their mind they have to do those things. So that's yeah. And then if you want to make it an, even a competitive atmosphere, you can do a three on two, two offensive players and three defenders. But make a layup, and then now you get they have, now they have to jump in on it, right? So now there's mm-hmm. one guy on the ball, two guys guarding one guy, and now honestly, it also teaches you the offensive player how to get open, how to mm-hmm. handle pressure, how to get through everything. Because realistically, late game situations, as teams that trap, you're gonna get trapped, oh, yeah. and it's kind of ironic when you don't know how to handle pressure and you trap all the time. Mm-hmm. So it really teaches them how to handle the ball and to be graceful and to handle all that pressure. So it's really mm-hmm. good both parties. I like that. Hmm. Okay, so then. What are some breakdown drills that help your players run both of these presses more effectively? Because we've got some breakdown drills, but I'm curious if you have any that are different than what we do. So what are some breakdown drills you guys do in practice? So there's, there's a thing called diamond, right? So um, there's four offense players, four defenders. Okay. So I'm sending the ball. I'm sending with the ball at half court, uh, right? In the middle, in the middle of the jump ball, whatever. Um, two guys on offense, obviously at the very high, high right here. And then those two guys are denying. And then the same thing for the kind of the same thing on the guys on the bottom. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically the whole thing is to get them to trap is you throw the ball really high up in there to one of the four offensive players. One of the guys on defense has to go trap. And now that now creates a circular rotation or on a trapping, a deflection, mm-hmm. steal, a very good trap has to happen. And the thing is the offense cannot move until one of the players catches it. So it really teaches okay. them how to cut on offense, teaches them how to get open because now you're getting trapped and you have to handle the pressure. But also on defense, where the main focus is, this is where, you know, plus four points for a steal, plus one points for a deflection. Sure. And then still allow, you know, normal buckets, twos and threes, right? 
um, first one to 12. So that's a perfect drill to kind of mm. just really create a, a really game-like atmosphere. Because then it, now when you start, when you have eight plays on one team, eight plays on another team, now it's like, I'm not losing this. Loser has to run first one to 12 mm. points. And then when it gets to like nine, sure. eight, really competitive, you're like, <laughs> you're going to see a different side of guys. You're going to see guys pushing each other, getting on the floor, diving off the loose balls. <laughs> getting steals like you're going to see them like probably like one of the slowest guys on court get a steal or get a deflection and it just changes the whole momentum because hmm. you're like hey i think you can move like that but when you see them <laughs> for a steal that's more worth more than three and i'm not <laughs> gonna, gonna go get a steal so um that's definitely one of my favorite drills for sure one of the things we used to do with reyes because reyes used to actually play for our school mm -hmm. we used to say we do a specific drill and we would say whichever team wins gets to start and man, you see those kids start playing like their lives depended on it, man. These kids, these bench kids are like, I'm, I'm gonna get to start. Like, I'm going crazy. You know, it was so yeah, funny. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's definitely cool. what I like. Oh, let and me ask you this really quick. And then, Reyes, you can go. Um, okay. How often do you play full court one on one in practice? Oh, I think, I think that is the best thing you can do because mm -hmm. we're thinking about the best on ball defenders. That, it comes from that. It comes from that, you know. From Just getting line. a ton of reps at it, you know. Yes, yeah, sideline to, you know, like that inner free throw line that's kind of like that imaginary line that kind of runs down. Sure. That, that like keeping that and turning your guys. So because if you're a defender and you get beat, now you have to sprint. That is a huge portion of it because in trapping the ball and man-to-man -man defense, you have to know how to cut a guy off hmm. so they can make a counter move and your guy behind you that's coming with a trap can either get a back tap or they can rip the ball away. Sure. So teaching them how to do that one-on-one -on -one situation, it teaches them cutting it off, teaches mm -hmm. them how to move their feet, because if they're not the best defenders and they're not sitting the stance, they're going to get burned and then they're going to get cooked in front of the whole team. Right. Now they're going to get, now they're going to get flamed basically in the locker room. Like you, mm -hmm. you can't lock nobody up. I'm going to cook you. <laughs> right. So like you want that, you want that competitive atmosphere. You want guys, I'm not going to say exposed because as a player, I would say I want them to get exposed, but as a coach, sure. I want them to build some humility in them. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm like, you think you're a great off on ball defender? Put you in a one-on-one -on -one situation with the best ball handler. We're gonna see you get cooked, right? right. Uh, I love that. I love you know challenging my players to bring out the best in them. So yeah, we, I think we, I like yeah, we play full court one-on-one -on -one probably every day in practice, even if it's just for three minutes and partner them up and let them go through. And we really emphasize turns, like just mm -hmm. turn them, turn them. Yeah. How many times can you turn them? Sprint, get in front of them, chest them up, turn them. And if you can do that like three times in the full court. That's yeah. pretty good because then, like what you're saying, that back tap trap is coming and you know you're in business. So absolutely. <laughs> you get that back tap and you get them to turn him and they go a little wrap around. Mm. That's cooking. The guy mm -hmm. that's trapping. You love that. <laughs> you gotta love that. What are some other ways that you guys keep your kids motivated to play pressure defense at a high level night in and night out? I think like I said, it just starts at practice. And you gotta bring, you know, at the collegiate level, you gotta bring competition. And mm. you gotta make sure no one feels safe. You got like, that's like that's the reality. Your best player should feel it every day. They the best defender should be guarding your best player every day in practice because that only makes him better as a defender and only makes him as better as a as an offensive offensive guy. But it all starts in practice. You have to have your practice to have competitive be competitive. Now in a small ball situation, it still starts in practice, but you know you got to go with who you have. That's sure. just the reality. Um, and so like speaking in your guys' terms, I think it still starts in practice, demanding them. You know what I mean? Like even on days where like you, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's a little laggy and stuff like that. Show love. Like, you know what I mean? Like just show love to them because what I learned the most is showing love and, you know, building confidence in them. That goes so much more than punishing them when they're doing wrong. Because punishing them, they're like, 
they're going to be like, oh, man, I'm not really doing this. I don't want to do this. And then you imagine if you as a coach just went up to me, hey, man, pull you aside, talk to, chop it up. What's going on? Like, everything good? Even are you asking them that, that might just kind of like, coach really cares about me. I'm going to go even harder. Sure. You know what I mean? And I would love that as a player. But my coach would pull me aside in the middle of practice when he can see it in my face, hey, I'm not having the best practice. Um, but like I said, night in, night out, you know, like you're going to have those days where there's going to be like those great days where you're just kind of out there. Your players are just kind of out there. Everything's going on. They just failed a math test. They don't, you know what I mean? There's going to be days like that, but you still got to make practices as competitive as possible. And also knowing the limitations. Another thing I don't think we talk about as much is, you know, as coaches, we want to drill them, drill them, drill them, work hard, work hard, work hard. But some days you, you might just have to have a shooting practice. Hmm. Nobody tells you about the rest days that you might have on Wednesdays, sure. you know, you might have a game on Tuesday and Thursday. Wednesdays, you only have, have to be shooting. You can't go on a full-on practice because that's going to that's just gonna kill them even more. Right. But rest days are so ideal. You know, um, I know I, I, I've been talking a minute, but, but like a big thing that we do is because of how fast we play, we want our guys to kind of rest for 36 hours. So if we have a game on Saturday at 3 p.m., we're going to have a Friday 6 a.m. lift. I mean, 6 a.m., 45 minutes shooting, 45 minutes of lift. Then they're done for the whole day Friday. Whole morning Saturday. If they want to come and get shots up, that's cool. But we want them to kind of stay off their legs, and that kind of just breeds more competitiveness. Because like I'm, I'm fully rested. I had 36 hours. Sure. And now they can't complain. They have no, they have no, <laughs> no excuse. You have 36 hours of just kind of chilling, stretching, going to the, you know, going to ice bath, whatever, you know. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's definitely it. That that was something that was hard for us because we yeah. had poured so much into this group of kids. Uh, there was about six or seven of them since they were freshmen. And we did these breakdown pressure drills. I mean, our first two years were okay. Their junior year, man. I mean, the, the pressure was tough. I mean, it was, it was good. We were for, I mean, it was, we saw a lot of success with it, you know? And then we came out their senior year. They had great relationships with these kids. They kind of made the decision that they weren't really about that anymore. And man, it, it was tough because as a coach, you know, like I, as much as I want to be like, hey, this is us. This is what we do. It's like, I, I mean, it, we tried to pressure and then it was like we just get torched when it wasn't even happening like that before. So it was it was so heartbreaking for us because we're like, dude, and we still did it in waves, but we had to kind of adjust it because, mm -hmm. you know, we're like, we can't just come out here and be stubborn and then just lose all these games like. It was just yeah. hard, man. So that was and tough think, for us to navigate. And like, I think this kind of like just like the kind of like that direct in this way. But I like it though because this is something I had to learn so much because I come from such a winning background. Winning, 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 winning is everything. Come mm. to Greenville, Coach Barber de-emphasizes the win. He cares about you and your relationship with and your player-coach relationship. So huh. we didn't have the best year at all this past year. It was very like it was a humbling year. It's a great humbling year, but sure. I never would again. And that's uh -huh. just in my mind. I've been drilled. Winning is everything. Coach Barber has kind of just transformed my mindset. Like this, and winning and winning and losing is great, but only the only thing you can really control is your attitude, effort towards something. Hmm. And so, like, just kind of coming in this kind of atmosphere, that's just transformed me because it's like, okay, like I get to really just appreciate who I am, and like, yeah, losing hurts. It sucks, it hurts sure. a lot, but like, it just kind of, you know, the next day you're like, okay, I'm ready to work again. You know hmm. what I mean? So I think that's something that I want to pass down to as many people as I can talk to is. Winning is phenomenal. It's a great feeling. Losing sucks. We all know it. But if you can de-emphasize the win and care about more about your relationship with your players, mm. that's that you don't have that relationship with your player 20 years from now. And sure. then I might not even win that. And they might even remember this, you mm. know. 
Um, so that's just, I don't know, that's a little peachy moment I got to go throw in there. So. Oh, no, that's good. Man. That was for <laughs> free. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. It's difficult to eat clean, especially while living a life on the go. Most of us fail to get the nutrition our bodies need on a daily basis to function at a high level. If you've ever been too busy to eat a proper meal, Live Fuel Nutrition is for you. Live Fuel Nutrition products combines exotic superfoods and plant-based nutrients that put back what's missing from your regular diet. These essential shakes and recovery formulas deliver the perfect combination of flavor, nutrition, and convenience as the ultimate one-stop solution for fueling your daily wellness routine. Put simply, it's fuel for life. Use our personalized Life Fuel link either in the description or on our social media platforms to try out the essential shake and other products from our partners over at Life Fuel. Use the promo code all caps AZ small ball to get 10% off your order so you can start living your fullest every day. Hey, yeah, college recruiting is different right now. I'm, I'm sure you guys all know it. It's it's crazy right now, mm-hmm. man. Oh, I you, oh my gosh, you it's, you it's it's so wild. Like, I'm pretty sure you've heard this a lot. I wonder what like what you hear from kids. That I guess that would be my question for you. Like, what are some like responses that you hear from kids that are like you ever been? I'm pretty sure you've been big time, right? I'm pretty sure yeah. kids. Are big, it's big probably time. so stupid, right? I I think it's so. I get funny. big time. I get big time. I want to say like. Three, three times, three, four times a day. Like, like, what, just, like, what's the response? Like, I don't get like what they say because like usually it's those kids that don't go nowhere. Absolutely, and like I, you will see it all over all over the Twitter is that like you know guys will get their scholarships pulled at AI or D one school or something like that. And I have a lot of friends that are still playing D one right now, and like they get their scholarships pulled. Like they go on visit, they're in the transfer portal, they get their stuff pulled. And so like when I get big time, I'm just like okay, like that's cool. But like you never know who's gonna be who later down the road. Sure. Like, like he doesn't know like he like yeah i'm a grad assistant right now but like i know hoops i can like i can talk about hoops whatever i know eventually down the road i'm gonna get my own collegiate program like down the road so like i you never know but when i get big time i'm just like okay that's completely fine because i want guys that are going to be here yeah buy in so like i'm right. cool with that because what we have it sells itself you know what i mean like who wouldn't want to come to a, a program small school in a small town where you get to just play freely you trap all 40 minutes you get 10 or 12 guys play a game. We shoot about 53s a game. We lead, we've led the nation scoring every single year. You're mm. going to have the freedom. Like, who doesn't want to go to that? If That's you don't want to go good selling point. You're right. Oh, there's this recruiting pitch right there for you small ball players. That's the recruiting <laughs> pitch. Right like, That's like, who wouldn't want to go do that? Like, you have, you, have a, you have two young coaches that are in the program that are willing to, you know, relate with you. You have a great head coach who cares about you. And you get to just hoop and get a degree. Hmm. Like, and like, and like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I can, I can go recruit, I can go sell this, sell that. But whenever I, when I talk to recruits, I just be as authentic as possible because I think honesty is the best recruitment policy. Hmm. You know what I mean? You know, you can, you can always tell somebody, go ahead, go ahead. And that's what I respect. I will give like college coaches like the, cause I've been able to build my network. Coach Jeff knows I've been able to build my network pretty well the past like four years since I got into this game of like just recruiting it. When I first jumped in, I had no idea what I was doing, honestly. Hmm. Um, but I respect, I know what questions to ask now to get coaches to kind of just like, just be very transparent. Like there's yeah. some coaches that kind of drag you along the whole way. Like, oh yeah, like, no, we're still interested. And so I find this texting like, hey, like, so what's the deal? Like, do you guys see this kid in your future or not? And they're like, yeah. hey, we just want to, you know, the same thing. Like, oh, we want a Juco guy to come in and make an impact like right away. And it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? And I think that, yeah. I mean, yeah. I have my views on the transfer portal as far as, like, you know, Juco players yeah. and then our kids, obviously I'm gonna fight for my kids and stuff like that. But, Absolutely. Like, and like I think as you know where I'm at right now is I respect every single high school coach out there right now because it is it is tough right now for you like it, a, a thousand percent and it's just 
it sucks because it's the reality we all live in. Like, it's not, there's it's nothing like we can really do to change it because of the whole COVID thing and the fifth years and the transfers and the Juco guys. And they were sure. like, I think ideal to win right now. It's tough because, you know what I mean? Like the best high school guys are getting overlooked because there's fifth year guys that are ready to go. Right. And so it's like, why, like you're like, you can see, kind of see it both ways. And that's the, that's the bad part. I see both ways. Cause my high school guys, I'm like, you can see this guy by his sophomore, junior, even freshman year have some immediate impact. It'd be hmm. great. But yeah, he's not flashy that he, you know, he's still young. He's saying he still needs time to develop, but he still can still play, still hoop. So by right. junior, he made all conference. But why would I like it's just like then I also see the other side where I'm at right now is like, why can't I go get a JUCO guy? He's averaging 18 yeah. points a game. Yeah. I, like he's right now, I don't have to develop him. I might just have to deal with the attitude or something like that. I don't know. I might have to just deal with it. And like it's something like that. And so like it's both sides of the fences and it sucks. You know what I mean? It just sucks. So it's tough. That is so tough. And that's that's good so way true. to put it. And I see, and I see both sides. So you got, you kind of have to respect it. I get it. It's like, hey, like, yeah, I get it. Like some kids, like maybe you don't want to wait a year or two for this kid to be your guy. Yeah. We like to use pool JUCO kid or even like a four year transfer. That's just yeah. Boom. Like he understands the college life and everything. Like he's just good to go. He's ready for the dorm life. He's ready. He doesn't. He's not gonna get homesick or different like things like that. He just he's there to work, get his degree, and move on with life. Yeah. Um, and so, like I said, there's positive negatives to both sides of it. And I think, you know, by 2025, 2026, it's going to go right back to high school guys, recruiting guys, because this transfer portal is going to die down. Like it's going to. Have um, you, I'm pretty sure you've looked at it. The mm-hmm. numbers are insane. Oh, yeah. No, there's no, it's literally, I checked literally last week and there's like 24, 2500. And I, that was like, actually, that was like a week 20, and a half. 2500? Total. Holy how many kids, shoot. out of that number, like percentage wise, how many kids do you think don't find a school? I saw something, I least saw something on Twitter that like oh, I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. It was like 25 or 5 percent. It was literally a quarter of it. And there was only like 1,800 kids in the transfer portal last year because of COVID. So there's like 20, there's like 1,800 kids, 25% of them. And I don't think these guys understand that. Like, you got to go somewhere where you want it. Like, right. yeah, like, like you're gonna have to pay your dues no matter where you go. You're gonna have to deal with whatever. I like how we kind of just transitioned to this. It's cool. Yeah, I uh, know it's like the yeah. recruiting so, trail now. It's cool. Yeah, 941 portal yeah. entrances, 232 transferred. Yeah, that's it. That's so that's yeah. like what 7,700 kids did it. Like, just nothing happened to them. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they just just fell off. And like, that's with 2,500 or something like that in the transfer portal. I, I want to say probably around the same numbers are going to be like that. And if you don't have a D1 or a D2 offer right now, and it's late April, you're going to have to think about going to JUCO or you might have to, you don't have to go back to the same school you're at. And so that's why I want to tell whoever, you know, whoever's listening is never burn bridges with anybody. Mm. Like no matter who reaches out to you, no matter how big time you are, no matter how many offers you have, always be humble with who you are. And the thing is, if you're a D1 prospect or D2 prospect, and you know that in your heart, and a D3 coach like me reaches out. You say, hey, coach, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm looking to go get a scholarship. It's just not financially ready for me. And as that, my job, that makes my job easier because I don't have to waste, not waste time, but I don't have to continue yeah, to for talk. Sure. It's time just, you know, BSing pretty much. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I just want to be very straight up, very blunt and very honest. Um, and so, like, especially with these high school, high school guys that are seniors right now, like, they're playing on the AU circuit. I want to say, like, even a small percentage of them are going to get a good spot on a college team, not a scholarship, a college team. Hmm. Right. Uh, because you know we're gonna finish up we're gonna finish up our recruiting by you know mid-may june and so and we're like we're like we're, like, we're late on it but most hmm. most college is done yeah. they, they solidify their, their stuff and they're working on 2023s 
So yeah, so with the D three, I reached out to a couple of schools and they were like they had deadlines. So like, so does your school have like deadlines for like uh, application deadlines? You know what I mean? I mean we have so we have like a JV developmental team also, and that's a whole other thing also that you know maybe getting shunned a bit, which they shouldn't. Like there's yeah. no there's no there's no problem going to a JV team right now. Oh, do you really? Do you have a development team? Yeah, we have a JV developmental Ooh, team. We actually have a kid. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's full though. It's a week. <laughs> oh man, I was like, we have a kid. He's an art kid, but I'm helping a kid out and stuff like that. Yeah. He like he has school paid for and all that. But anyways. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, we we fill that team up, but it's a great opportunity for them because they like our JV team plays some of the best JUCOs in the Midwest. They're like D like sure. D1 in the region, region like one and region like 15 or something like that, wherever we're at. Um, and they're playing some real dogs and like they're like, they're like, oh, and it's a humility factor because they're like, these guys can play no joke. Like I thought I was good coming out of high school. Now I'm gonna play these JUCO guys. You're gonna see the difference. Yeah. So it's I, I definitely encourage people, you know, to play a JV team for a year or two or something like that and just work on your craft. If you really bout it, you're gonna show out. Hmm. So but yeah. That's good, man. That's yeah, it's funny. That's like a like a half or like 90% pressure defense thing, and then it's like the, the recruiting trail over that's oh, yeah. and like I have so much love for people. It's like I just want to be able to help them out as much as possible. I'm like, listen, like you gotta so you gotta be humility, you gotta be humble a lot, especially in this college world. It's, as much as we don't want to admit it, sometimes it's a business. 99% of the schools are businesses. The other mm-hmm. the only one percent is really gonna care for you. And that's where you need to be at home at. So you if you need to go play on a JV team for a year or two, get your body right get used to the, the college life sure. having a freedom you don't have mom and dad waking you up at 8 a.m to go to class you gotta you gotta handle business as a man you need to you need that you need that time and with the jv team they're gonna allow you to grow you know what i mean mm-hmm. to do that the varsity team you're not gonna have that much time to have mistakes because sure. the joke here it's next man up and we and we know we're not playing at all mm-hmm. we're not playing at all right. so it's a great thing to have for real hey, coach even like just these some of these kids or, or these parents listening Mm-hmm. They might think that they are bigger than they are. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And for mm-hmm. them just hearing you say that, that might just be like, you know what? Development team, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that that's super cool that you said that because one of the biggest things with having really good players from small schools is they think that they're maybe a little bit better than they are. And they're like, no, I'm, I'm this or I'm this level. It's good to hear that, man, because people yeah. need to hear that, you know? If no, my thing is, if you are so good, go to that developmental team and go average thirty. Then, mm. and gonna show 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 the coaching staff that you belong with the varsity team. And if you do, they, I'm pretty sure if you're putting up thirty points a game on the developmental team, sure. five games in a row, they're gonna be like, "What did we miss? What did right. we miss?" Right. I, but I, I, and this is from my my own eyes. All the guys that have came in and the, like uh, from all those schools and stuff like that, um, when they go to the developmental team, they kind of be like, "I'm too cool for this." Then they go start playing games. And they get blown out and they get humbled. And then they're like, oh, shoot, maybe I'm not as good. Maybe I need to go again and lap. And so that's where the gap just right. gets bigger and bigger. Because now the players that are humbled and they take that as a, as a chip on the shoulder, they're going to go in the gym. They're going to work out. They want to ask coaches like, hey, can you work me out? Can you work me out? going to be in your face asking for those opportunities. And those guys are going to rise to the occasion by their sophomore year because they took the time to work at it. Other guys, sure. they're going to kind of fall off. They're like, oh, I'm not really for this. I thought it was about it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. go get humble <laughs> go get humble sure so. okay last question before we end it mm. what are just for potential recruits out there what is greenville looking for as and for prospects high character guys coachable guys without a doubt 
If and if you can shoot the ball, that's phenomenal. But I want to tell you this: everybody in the nation can shoot the ball mm. because everybody. Else. So I think the biggest thing is have high character guys. You gotta have good grades because when I look at it, when I look at guys' profiles on Twitter and things like that, I always look for you know the biggest thing I would say is actually having all your information in your bio. First of all, makes makes life twenty times easier. Link to your link to your highlights, GPA, stats, height, and everything like that. It's phenomenal sure. and cool that you're at just from the jump. Like you gotta have that in your bio. If you don't have to put it in it right now. Okay. Next thing I look for is the GPA. You know, we're a D3 school and like all, all of our things are academic scholarships. So when a guy has a 4.0 GPA, you know, I'm not, I'm looking at him. I'm like, that stands out than a 3.6, which is still really, really good. But that stands out over 3.0, 3.2, 3.5 sure. in high school. He has a 4.0 GPA. I'm looking at him. I'm like, this is, this is a gold mine. Cause this is, this is good for me. This is good for you. It makes the acceptance process a lot easier um and so like yeah just take care of your grades you know i mean like it's it's like i i had a really good gp in high school and i know what it's like in high school you get if you need to have above a 3-0 like you mm-hmm. just need to if you don't you better get it there yeah. like you, there's no excuses because if you have a 2.75 in high school you, should, <laughs> you need to you need to have a higher unless you unless you can you six eight and you can jump out the gym exactly work all the trouble to get you into the school and stuff like that <laughs> it's the, the the likelihood is going to go down a bit. So if you have a, like a below a three zero, and maybe you are going to get in school, that's phenomenal if you get in that. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's impossible, but I'm saying as a college coach and what I'm looking at, the GPA matters. Mm-hmm. If it's above a three zero, I already know you're most likely going to get accepted. Like that's good for both of us. Two point seven five. Now I got to think about. Oh, I got to talk to the admissions office. I got to find. Now he has to write an appeal letter. He has to do this, this, and this. So handle your stuff. Because mm-hmm. I tell you this, if you can't handle your stuff in high school, you're not gonna handle it in college. Mm-hmm. Mm. You just, you're just not going to. Like I, that's something I learned really quick. I thought I could just blow by my my freshman year. I was a kinesiology man, all that. If you can't handle your stuff in high school, you're definitely not gonna handle it in college because your parents aren't there. Now you have the freedom to do what you want. You can stay out as long as you want. You can hang out with whoever you want. No one's gonna hold over your shoulder. And you're not gonna be able to handle it in college. And now you got an 8 a.m. class plus practice plus all this plus lift. And now you have guys that are way better than you that are down your head. Oh, yeah. You're not going to handle that pressure. Mm-hmm. Our pressure is mm-hmm. different. Our pressure is different. That's yeah. so good. There's so many things that we <laughs> tell our kids and so many coaches tell their kids. But, you know, hey. I don't know how many times there's a coach that tells a kid that you have to focus on your grades. And they're like, yeah, I'll, it's fine. Oh, I'll get into it, especially with how it is now. If you're not having above a, a three five at a D three school, and you want to apply for a D D three school, you better get out of three point five. Because mm-hmm. I promise you, when they, when you get that financial aid package and you see you a certain X amount of money, and that makes your parents a lot happier, and mm-hmm. you don't have to take out that much loans or any grants or something like that, you're gonna be like those four years paid off. Right. I did what I had to do. I handled my business, sure. and that just makes life a lot easier for you know decision making. Mm-hmm. But if it, I'm telling you, any high school players that are listening, listen to your coaches when it's tell this. Because as a college coach, I look at that stuff. Mm. I look at that stuff. And so it's just so serious, too. It is. That's good. This is one of two episodes. Our last episode was all about college recruiting. And now this one is like another one to it, which is awesome. So it's great, man. And for all you guys listening to this, go ahead, Rose. Uh, we had a D2 coach, you know, got the perspective on that. Because, like, the same with them, with that D – like they won't take a kid that's like a minimum three zero or three two. I think it was like if you don't have that, they're not even gonna look at you. Yeah, there's not a waste of time. So it's cool yeah. to get that perspective from a D two, and then rewrite what everybody knows about what they think they know about a D three and actually know about a D three and what you guys look for 
to compete at this high level. So I think that's just so cool. Yeah, our, J- our JV team, our developmental team, what we call G Squad, we, they won't even consider you if you don't have a 3-0. Like, they won't, they won't even look at you. Hmm. Like, it's big because it's just like your first year of college is so it's, – it's, it's going to shape you. Like, most likely you're going to have a bad year. It's, it happens. That's completely okay. And that's why we want to have that brace factor. Well, like, if you have above a 3-0, at least we know you can do that. If you have bad habits and, you know, you're below that, you go to a JV team, and then, yeah, you actually probably won't even get to a JV team if you're below a 3-0 out of D3 school. You probably mm-hmm. won't. They want high academic guys that can hoop. It's, it's tough. It's, it's, they re- I just love it because people really sleep on D3. Like, there's some – there's some re- – like, all I think the guard level, the guard play is similar. Like, the best D3s and the best D2s the best D1s, the guard play is similar. But the only difference is the bigs. Bigs, and so yeah. That's what everybody yeah. always talks about. Exactly. So, but then, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, I wish, I just wish, like, some people really see what happens in open gyms and what players are capable of in an open setting. Huh. Some of these college players, because they can go, they're going to break you down, they can cook you, they're going to look back at you and score the leg. Like, he's going to fry you. And then you're going to get embarrassed. And now you got to be like, oh, man, I got to live with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, no, we're good out here at D3, man. We, we have a really good thing going on in all these D3 programs in the nation. It's good. It's really good. That's awesome. Well, coach. Thank you so much for hopping on the pod with us. And, you know, I, I love where we ended up going with this episode. We weren't planning on it, but it's been super fun to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, good luck on your season and, and your off season, your recruiting, and you wrapping all that up. So thank you for hopping on the show, man. We appreciate it. No, I, yeah. I love it. No, it's my first podcast, and I just absolutely love it. Like, if you guys ever want me to hop on anymore, anybody wants to reach out and talk to me, hit me up on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. And just, you know, reach out to me. I love talking to whoever. Sir, that works. Hey, for all of you guys that are listening, if you want to be a part of the action, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, any type of social media. We got it. Uh, If you listen to the show, you tune in every single week and you haven't hopped on Apple Podcasts and written us a review, go ahead and do that because we love those five-star reviews and we'll catch you guys next time.